Hey y'all, Lily here. So, funny story, Kit was going to plug our streams uh, this week because we've been preparing for a Guilty Gear tournament, a uh, couple Guilty Gear tournaments actually, nothing major, just, you know, local stuff. Uh, somebody else obviously took over uh, for the rest of the episode after our break, and, uh, <laughs> you know, she just totally forgot. Bunny just completely forgot to plug our streams. Uh, I don't currently have like a hard set schedule uh, for these streams, but I'm going to be hopefully streaming every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, uh, sometime around like 2.33 p.m. Uh, like Pacific time, whatever time zones are, they're, they're fake. But anyway, if you want to come hang out, come chill, I, I would really appreciate that. That would be great. Uh, you can find my streams on Twitch. It's just lavender paws, just without the underscore. Uh, normal stuff. Apologize for any background noise. My uh, washer is currently going, and I just had a cat on my lap. But hope you enjoy the episode as always. Stay cool, Chads. <laughs> giving you for all systems grogu that was bad <laughs> that was really bad that wasn't even anything <laughs> oh, what, you don't know God. all systems goku no i don't oh <laughs> i don't know I, ba- I only know it by name because i don't know any of the giant the giant bomb stuff but oh, okay. my understand my understanding is that all systems goku is some of them uh, including one of them who has never watched anime, if as I understand it, going through Dragon Ball. That's that's so much already. Jesus Christ. I... I... Hmm. Where, where to begin? Where to begin? Because the thing is, Sam, I didn't like my episode. I, I, I also don't really remember liking your episode, particularly. 
We, we did this thing last week where I had gotten up and I was like, hey, do you want to record early? Um, and like, this is not to put you on blast. This is just to explain what happened last week. Because um, to be fair, we we were both like, we, we did kind of have stuff going on like over here uh, as well. But uh, I was like, do you want to record early? And I, I messaged you at like 10 a.m. Because we normally record at noon. And I, I specified, because I don't want to miss the Guilty Gear Strive tournament at Combo Breaker. I don't want to miss Top 24. And it's starting at like 10.30, so I'm already going to miss some of it. And you messaged me, and you were like, I mean, we can also just not do it this week. Because you hadn't, like, finished your notes. Normally you take your notes, like, day of, right? Yeah, I, t I take my notes day of. Usually I start... I generally take my notes three hours before we podcast. At this mm. point, it was about two hours before we podcast. Or, like, an mm. hour and a half. And yeah. I had not started watching the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was just like, are you ready? Do you want to do this? And you're like, I am not. And then you're like, we could skip, though, because I also wouldn't mind watching Combo Breaker. And I was just like, all right, well, let's leave it up to fate. Call it. And I, like, held out a picture of a fucking, like, quarter. And you called Tails. We hit Tails. And we did not do the episode on a coin flip that week, just because that's the kind of podcast this is. We leave it to fate sometimes, and not like the anime fate, just like regular old-ass fate. We could leave it to the anime fate, but that's a different podcast. <sighs> oh my god. I, I I don't know about that. I've been vaguely thinking about trying fate out, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I fate just... Moon Archives is a podcast that does like four-hour episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Four to five-hour episodes. And... They're going through all of the the Nasu stuff. So they started with uh, Tsukihime, and then there was there then there was some Melty Blood, and now they're into Fate. Not to be neurodivergent on main, but is it stimulating enough? Because I don't know, I haven't listened to an episode yet. I'm waiting <laughs> till I catch up on. I'm trying to catch up on all my weekly stuff now, and Fate Moon Archive is probably the ne the next podcast I go through the backlog of. Okay, I ask because like. While I love Shrieking Shack, like, I've been really digging their new episodes. I, I've been starting to go back and, like, dig through, like, their, like, older stuff. Again, I'm, like, somewhere in book four. But the problem I've been running into, and this is no, fo no fault of, like, the hosts of that podcast, is I just sometimes do not find it stimulating enough while I'm working. So my hellbrain just goes to like the negative dimension and i just start having the bad thoughts so it's like okay well i need something that's going to be like a bit more engaging and that that's not again not a fault of the shrieking shack i love that show it's just like if i'm going to listen to a 4 hour podcast i need to be engaged <laughs> well you know what's really stimulating the audiobook for novelization of The Revenge of the Sith by Matthew Stover. I should get to that. I definitely should get to that. I I did just finish Phasma, and that was the like most batshit mid-tier book I've ever read. That sounds like most Star Wars books, yep. Yeah, because like, okay, 
Spoilers for the entirety of Phasma, a book I'm sure nobody gives a shit about. But I will, like, include spoiler timestamps here, unless you care and don't want me to spoil it for some reason. Uh, go ahead. Okay. Um, so the book is, like, the premise is that, like, a resistance spy gets captured um, by, like, the Star Destroyer from uh, Last Jedi. Uh, I think... Is the, is the Star Destroyer in that finalizer or the Absolution? Because both of these Star Destroyers are in the book. I have no idea. This is not the kind of detail I keep in mind. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. It's it's one of them Star Destroyers. I forget exactly which one, but it's one of the ones in The Last Jedi. It turns out that Phasma isn't the only Stormtrooper that's got cool, different colored armor. Um, there's a Stormtrooper captain named Cardinal who has red armor, and basically he is in charge of training kids that are like, you know kidnapped to become like stormtroopers and like you know starting the indoctrination process Mm -hmm. phasma on the other hand is in charge of finishing the process from like late teen uh late teens to adulthood and basically turning like these indoctrinated like child soldiers into cold-blooded killers that's basically her job cardinal is jealous of phasma because basically Cardinal used to be second to Hux's father, Brendel, but Brendel died and now Phasma gets like all the accolades, even though Cardinal's like, but my program's better. Uh, so he kidnaps this resistance spy, puts her in a torture chamber and is like, all right, tell me all the shit you know about Phasma. And this resistance spy named Vi just so happens to be the one resistance spy that knows Phasma's entire backstory. Um, <laughs> which I think is already very funny. So the book like details Phasma's backstory as a kid that grew up on Parnassos, which is like this really inhospitable planet. Uh, it's really fucking barren. Uh, the clans that live there are, like, hostile, and, you know, they have to do everything they can to survive, even, like, taking, like, nutrients from the dead. It's really fucked up. Uh, they got these, like, fucked up beetles. It's, it's really bad. It's, everything's terrible on Parnassus. Brindle Hux, Armitage Hux's father, crash lands on this planet, uh, and is like, hey, I, um... My ship's all the way over there in, like, the desert, like, probably, like, a million years walk from here. Uh, who wants to escort me? You can join the First Order. No, I will not be taking questions about what the First Order is. Do not worry about it. <laughs> uh, and Phasma's it's like- It's not here and that's all you need to know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So Phasma's like, well, fuck. We can't survive on Parnassos because it's hostile here. And they sound like they've got the good shit and the medicines, you know? So I'm going to betray my entire clan. I'm going to take, like, three people from my clan. And, yeah, I'm just going to take this guy to his ship. I'm sure everything Was will be fine. Was one of the three people the spy? No. Okay. Uh, um, one, of the, one of the three people is the person who told the spy this entire story. Because she, spoilers, is the only survivor of the group that is not Phasma. All right. 
so they they go through a multitude of fucked up things such as uh beetle death uh getting basically uh forced into a workforce by droids that worship their creators um they also get like kidnapped and put into this fucked up little town where they're like, well, we don't have any food or anything, so I guess we'll just set up a coliseum where we kill each other. That sounds normal. Um, so they, they go through all of these things, eventually end up at the ship. Uh, Phasma's clan comes back through the entire fucking desert and chases them down for some fucking reason. Uh, and then Phasma basically does a genocide on them. Uh, I don't know why. She's just kind of like that. Uh, I think I detail at one point that she also learned how to speak British in, like, two hours just by copying everything Brendel Hux says. Which is so dumb. I love it. It's so dumb. But what this all capitalizes in is the book takes place in, like, two perspectives, right? Because it, it occasionally shifts to the present day, uh, like, during the conversation between Vi and Cardinal, and mm. then it shifts back, like, ten years ago during the stuff where Phasma is doing her backstory. In the present day, Vi is, like, very slowly, like, convincing Cardinal that, like, yeah, no, Phasma's fucked up. You knew this. Here's what happened. Here's why you should have dirt on her. But also trying to convince him to defect. But this this really leads into this really funny moment about three quarters of the way through the book where Cardinal kind of goes, wait, you're telling me these kidnapped kids that I'm training, I'm training them for fascism? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's so weird, because at this point in the book, it starts taking place like mostly on the absolution uh, in present day. And Cardinal just has this like existential crisis where not only is he realizing he's training these kids for fascism, but after he's come to terms with that, he's like, wait, but I'm not a cold-blooded killer. Does that make me a bad fascist? Am I bad at fascism? <laughs> and he just starts like going on this whole tirade and like feeling really down on himself. And then eventually he confronts Phasma. And it's like, wow, I'm really a bad fascist. I should just defect. <laughs> and then he does. Incredible. It's it's so weird. It's so funny. But, oh, God. Alas. If you couldn't tell, this is not a Star Wars podcast. This is a Bleach podcast. This is It'll Wash Out, a Bleach Rewatch podcast. And I'm your co-host, Kit. And I'm your co-host, Sam. This shit is so fucking wild. Oh my god. I Okay, so I'm gonna be upfront with you. I remember what happened in my episode. I do not fucking remember what happened in your episode, because I was not the one who watched it. Fair enough. <laughs> so, this should be a fun experience. It's gonna be a good time. Uh, hopefully. Because I didn't like my episode. Uh, which is Bleach 156. Ishida and Peshe. The United Attack of Friendship? In the pillar room, it's yo-yo time as an Arankar attacks Uryu, who is frantically running. Pillars are getting smashed, Uryu tries to block the yo-yo, but it isn't very successful. 
Pesce watches from the shadows as he analyzes the amount of danger he's in, not just because he's followed Uryu, who he thinks of as the weakest of the group, but because the Quincy is fighting someone strong. He ponders whether he should help or not, and then has a certified Pesce pervert moment. Which, it, it just, it sucks. I'm not gonna get too far into it. It just, it's bad. And immediately set the tone for me being like, okay, maybe maybe this ain't it. <laughs> yeah, Pesce is just not, like, he's, at times, likable and fun. This is not one of those times. Yeah, no, there are definitely some, like, highlights during this episode that I had a good time with. But this is, no, this ain't it. Meanwhile, the Arakar gloats before taking notice of Pesce and knocking him back. Uryu remembers this guy, and then Pesce is like, wow, you remember me? Does that mean you love me? <laughs> and, like, this joke kind of landed for me, but only because of the, like, dumbassery of it, you know? The the part that gets to me, though, is that Uryu has a certified homophobia moment where he's just like, that's fucking gross. And I'm like, okay cool we're just in it this episode huh it's fine it's 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 not a homophobia moment it's a bug phobia moment sure 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 <laughs> kubo is just like no i listen you can be into men just not into like little bug men you know <laughs> yeah he's like this guy's a little goblin and that's not what i go for god lady arankar tells them to both shut up before asking if peshe is a termite Argument just kind of ensues over which bugs are better. Uryu calls Pesce white, which, like, you can't just do that, Uryu. And further bickering ensues. Well, it's like, I'm a stag beetle, thank you very fucking much. They're black and shiny and cool. It's like, but you're white. Yeah, well, you're white. It's like, I, I'm proud of my whites. This what the sucks. fuck are you, a detergent? <laughs> It, it's it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. I just, like, I saw that and literally out loud, I was just like, Udi, you can't just call people white. <laughs> like, you can, but Jesus Christ. I do think I'm, I have pride in my whites. What are you, a detergent is a very good exchange. Oh, absolutely agreed. This was one of the highlights of the episode. Absolutely. Udiu tries to stop the Arankar from attacking Peshe by saying that they aren't friends, Peshe's too dumb to understand, and Uryu questions why Peshe is even here. He explains the whole Nell situation before asking if Uryu is Ichigo. <laughs> Uryu explains that Ichigo is the orange spiky soul reaper, um, and Peshe tells him to leave this battle to him. This exchange actually goes on a little longer, because he's like, Ichigo's the spiky one, and Peshe's like, which one? There are two. <laughs> and thinks about Renji and Ichigo, and Uryu's just like, he's the orange one. <laughs> Yeah, there's just there's a large swath of this episode that's just the Uryu Peshe comedy hour. Yeah, some of it lands, some of it doesn't. It, it, it's kind of a mixed bag. So Peshe tells him to leave this battle to him and gives an extremely shaky thumbs up and explains his special ability of creating a liquid that makes anything it touches very slippery. The Arankar launches her yo-yo, Peshe booger bombs it, and it slips right off of him. It just bounces off his shoulder in a really funny animation. <laughs> it's actually really good. It, like, hits his shoulder in what you think is going to be really impactful, and then it just, like, fucking slips off. It's great. Peshe laughs. The, like, whole pervert bit continues. Uh, the Arankar tells them to stop making fun of her, and Peshe gloats, dodging another attack before being saved from another one by Uryu. He tells the Quincy he must repay his kindness, and points at the Arankar. 
She seems unimpressed, calling him predictable, as goo explodes on the top of every pillar, causing her to slip and fall. Pesci's like, I can produce a limitless amount of this liquid. While Uryu's just like, wow, I kind of feel bad for our enemy. Yeah, she just, because at first she's like, oh, well, obviously you only have the one trick. You're just going to spray the goop. And then she's like, I'm just going to dodge the goop. But then he doesn't just spray it. He like floods the whole, he sends out an entire goddamn flood. And she's like, wait, what the fuck? And then she lands and just like Looney Tune Pratt falls her way down to the <laughs> ground. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good moment, frankly. Um, Pesce calls this ability infinite slick. And Uryu's like, God damn it, I'm so mad, that name's cool. <laughs> He's like, that's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen. I hate that I think the name is cool. I hate it so much. <laughs> I-, I love that internal conflict in Uryu. It's so funny. It's it's genuinely great. He tells Pesce at this point to run, and the Arankar's like, fine, fuck it, and just releases her Zanpakuto, causing her to cut down some pillars and introduce herself as Arankar 105, Saruchi Sandwichi. Her name really is just Sandwich, huh? Yeah. Actually, I didn't even look it up. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming... I Well, actually, no. I'm assuming her name just doesn't mean anything. Yeah, no, it just... I, I feel like Kubo was just, like, eating a sandwich and was like, Ah, oh, I got it. Her name's Saruchi Sandwichi. Yeah, no, it's just... It's a Kubo name. That's what it is. Exactly. It's a very Kubo name. She explains that she's no longer going easy on them, uh, and her release form, Golondrina, is a swallow. A really fucked up swallow. Yeah. A really, really fucked up swallow covered in buzzsaws. Exactly, exactly. I think this form is neat. I like it. It's really good. I, like, honestly, between, the, between like, the look of the transformation and the abilities that she shows, and what the way that she's like... I have had it up to here with your goddamn fucking comedy power hour. Like, I'm just going to fucking kill you, nerds. I don't care if I don't have to transform. I'm transforming right now. You guys need to die. <laughs> like, I really like Shiruchi. I, I like her a lot, too. I, I think the thing about Shiruchi is I think she's like a mid-top-tier villain stuck in like a low-tier episode. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. She would have been great as, like, a return, uh, recurring Team Rocket character. Exactly, exactly. Like, I, I think she's great. I think the episode does her a disservice, and I think, like, I think it's bad booking. And, like, that that's me just being upfront. Like, I think her and Uryu would have been a really cool fight. I think adding Peshe into this fight really detracts from it, because it does turn it into a comedy power hour, but it, it turns it into a comedy power hour that doesn't land all the time. The good news is my episode agrees. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. So she asks who to slice first, and the episode really feels like it's about to end, actually. Like, it, it literally, like, stops. And then it cuts to the break, like the commercial break. I was like, oh, we got a whole nother half of the episode. We're not even done. <laughs> um, she... Cut some pillars, Pesce and Uryu run, and she's just fucking slicing a bunch. She threatens them again, and the battle really just rages. Apparently, the feathers are vibrating and deflecting Uryu's shots or doing whatever at this point. Pesce's still here for whatever re- reason, and comedy ensues. 
Pesce tells Saruchi to come after him instead of Uryu, and she says, okay, and attacks, which I did <laughs> like that. I like, Pesce's just like, I'm egging you on, and you should come after me. And she's like, I. <laughs> yeah, because he's, he's like, don't you know that if you're chasing after two things, like you won't catch one, you won't catch either, and yada yada. Obviously, the good strategic point uh, choice is to just fucking kill me and get done with it. And while he's talking, that like there's a song that's starting up, and then it just fucking ends. And she's <laughs> like, "Sure, I won't hesitate. Let's let's go. You're dead." <laughs> it's incredibly funny. It, it's like overconfident fighting game player shows up and is like don't fucking take it easy on me like fucking blow me the fuck up and the other player goes okay and executes like a fucking like 50 hit combo touch of death incredible Peshe refuses to run even though Uryu keeps telling him to he tells him to use his ability that Peshe already forgot the name of uh, he's like hey use infinite slick and Peshe's like what the fuck is infinite slick <laughs> It's so good. <laughs> it was really, really good. Uh, but just as Pesce is about to gloat and use it, turns out, Infinite Slick isn't quite so infinite at all. He's just completely out of slide juice, you know? <laughs> it's like, I thought it was infinite. Yeah, I lied. What do you want me to do, Uryu? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a pretty solid moment. Like, as, like... As much as I've been calling this episode low tier, and I do still think it's low tier, like, some of the comedy does hit. And, like, when it does hit, it's very good. Pesce slips in his own goo. Uryu gets annoyed, as does Saruchi, who continues her tirade of being a mid-tier enemy at this point. Uryu does his version of Flash Step, Hiren Kyaku, and Saruchi is just fucking tired of this shit. <laughs> Pesce realizes Uryu can't attack so long as he's holding the bug man, who has a vision of bravery before crying. He, like, has this, like, vision where he's like, ah, I'm gonna take the blow, I'm gonna fucking d be a distraction, I'm gonna do all this cool shit. And then he's just, like, it cuts back to him on Uryu's shoulders, just, like, fucking weeping. It's like, I'm picturing the climax. <laughs> what a sad ending to a fight. <laughs> Uryu's like, the fuck are you on about my guy. It's so much. It's so much. Um, Uryu tells him this might hurt a bit, but to bear through it. As he launches Pesce out of the room with an arrow to the crotch, and the crowd fucking cheers. Like, I don't dislike Pesce, to be clear. I just think he's kind of obnoxious during this episode, and I think a lot of that does have to do with the fact that the, the episode opens on him being a pervert. And it's not a it, it's not a bit that's like constantly reflected on, but it is reflected on enough that it just like kind of tinges the rest of the comedy with like I'm sick of this guy already, you know? Yeah. Every time you're every time you're about to forget the the opening bit, and you're like, all right, I'm coming around on Pesce. It's always like, but what if, you know, we left Khan at home, but what if we had a pervert of our very own? God damn it. It's a shame. And it's like, really, Kubo? Like, you really had to do this one to us? And Kubo just looks at me sternly and he says, yes, Kit. Yes, I did. There's absolutely no other way this could have gone. <laughs> it's important to the story that I've I intricately constructed over the course of many years. 
But alas, it's real Uduyu hours now, as he notices Saruchi's blades continue to vibrate even when they are separate from her body. He keeps looking for an opening and determines he has no choice before pulling something from his belt. Suddenly, the saw blades split in half as he reveals his own spinning blade, his sweet fucking Jedi lightsaber. It's dope, and it does end the episode. It really is a sweet fucking Jedi lightsaber. (laughs) It's great. I forgot he had a lightsaber, and when I saw that, I was like, yo? (laughs) Yeah, because essentially he's got five, he's got five, like, metal things on on his belt uh, behind him, and then he pulls one out, just like holds holds it around the middle, and from one end of it, there's just an, a fucking lightsaber comes out. <laughs> You're just like, oh, okay. It, it's really cool. I I I I thought the animation here was like it wasn't like incredible, but it was really sick to see this moment. Like I I forgot entirely about this, and I don't know. I I do wish Shiruchi was in like a better pair of episodes because I just do not think either of these episodes is like fantastic. But you know. It is what it is. Yeah, but the reveal is good. The reveal is good. The reveal is very, very good. Uh, what were the post-credits of manga like this time, Sam? So for the post-credits, we get an Arankar Encyclopedia starring Ado Nido from last week or two weeks ago. Gin asks the heads which one is Ado and which one is Nido, and they respond, oh, well, the top head with the low pitch is Aro, and the lower one with the high pitch voice is Nero. And then both of them at the same time are like, wait, no, hold up. Aro Nero isn't the fucking composite name like <laughs> both of the heads belong to the same entity it, it's a pretty good bit i i thought this one was pretty all right <laughs> yeah they're like we're one person not two shut up i i stop did, confusing us I, I did think it was funny because like the friend i told you i got in touch with before we started recover uh recording not recovering the podcast um he is somebody who back when i was in like high school watched a lot of bleach as well uh, mm-hmm. It was one of our common interests. So I was, of course, talking to him about my podcast, our podcast, not just my podcast. Um, and he specifically brought up that bit <laughs> and thinking that was funny because I was explaining we were in the middle of the Iran car stuff. And I was just like, it's incredibly funny you mentioned that because I literally just watched that last week. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Good timing. Good timing all around. When was the, the stars aligning? Uh, the manga is basically the same. It's just there's very little bits like the pervert pick at the start takes like no time at all. Instead of dodging once with the his with his version of flash step, instead of flash of dodging like two or three times, he only dodges once. You know, like it's all it's the same episode but compressed. Uh, and but honestly, t- probably better for it, right? Yes, uh, I did take a couple of screenshots because like. The segment where uh, Shiruchi, like, notices Peche and attacks him is a fantastic set of panels, and also when he uses Infinite Slick for the first time, just, there's a giant shwip (laughs) (laughs) across the page as it just hits him and then bounces off. And I also wanted to share the page where she eats shit. (laughs) <laughs> because her the expression on her face when she slides <laughs> off the pillar is so good. It's really fucking good. One of the things that I hope gets like reflected in the new anime when we eventually get there 
um, is one of the things I've always really appreciated about Kubo's like art in the manga is just how clean the line art is. Like it, it's so fucking crisp and it looks really fucking good. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just, I don't know. I'm excited. I, I hope it's as good. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, well, maybe we'll see in like seven years or whatever, but we'll see. Yeah, we take like a five-year hiatus. <laughs> God. But alas, I think that'll do it for that episode. Uh, you want to cut the break? Let's cut the break. Right back into it with episode 157, Ishida's trump card, Seely Schneider. The episode begins with Uru introducing us to the Quincy's one and only bladed weapon, the Seely Schneider, which he took from a secret warehouse at the hospital when Urahara picked him up. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, he's, he's like, hey, remember that Urahara could, like, make walls in space, uh, make holes in space? I just picked up a little thing. Peche immediately accuses him of stealing, and while they argue, moving on to, like, word games and name bullshit, Sirushi says, oh, the Quincy, the weak assholes that got wrecked. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, "Uh oh. Fucking Tsuruchi. Like, she's something else, honestly. Uh, She questions why he'd be helping Shinigami in the first place, a blocking attack by Uryu, but as he lands, Several of her blades just get chopped off, and he's like, yeah, uh, I'm not gonna answer that. Also, maybe worry more about the fact that I can chop the fuck out of your blades instead of, uh, where I'm- why I'm helping people, right? So she- he explains, the Seele Schneider works like a chainsaw, and it's just vibrating faster than Chiruchi's blades. From what <laughs> I can see, your blades vibrate at 1.1 to 1.3 million times a second. You know, just from what I can see with my eyeballs. <laughs> like, that's such a wild thing to, like, say. <laughs> it's so Uryu, though. It's so him. And then Shirushi goes like, Oh, sure, fine. If my buzzsaws <laughs> and giant arms aren't useful in this fight, I'll I'll just ditch them. And they fall to the ground like discarded mech parts, which honestly is kind of sick. <laughs> it's, it's pretty sick. Like... I do, I do like that he explains this, and she's just like, all right, and just drops it. <laughs> Uryu is surprised, since he thought an Arankar couldn't easily, like, discard... Th- like, he thought they were basically stuck in their release form once they did it. And she says, we are. <laughs> you don't understand. Uh, the release basically gives them back their original attack forms, So the and the only way to go back to a more human form is to seal that... Parts that get released is to seal them back into a sword again. Discarding them like she just did it, basically the same as tearing off one of her arms. <laughs> it's a little fucked up. <laughs> yeah, like, she, the only parts that she keeps are this, like, feathery headdress and her tail, where she concentrates all of her remaining energy into a large, like, fan blade. And while she's doing this, Uryu's like, D- do you, does this really mean that much to you? Like, and she's like, buddy. We are soldiers, and this is a war. Obviously, yes, I will try do everything short of killing myself to win the fight. 
Like, that's the goddamn point. Why do you think I'm fighting in the first place? God, I... It, it, it's, like, good, but also, I feel like cutting off your own arm, you know, metaphorically speaking, is probably not a great idea mid-fight. Yeah, she does have a couple of lines where she explains that, like, she's bad at managing her, like, spirit energy, so cutting off the... Cutting off the arms is basically like, well, I don't have to pump energy into them anymore. True. And all the energy that she would pump into them, she just puts into her tail. Uh, so she clashes with Uduyu a couple of times. Uh, they're seemingly equal in power, although eventually it does look like Uduyu's blade can like slice through her fan. And she's like, oh, well, why, instead of having a fan that is like a large wide shape that you can cut through, I'll just make a sword like yours. And if we're both fighting with a sword, and they're the same strength, longer range wins. That's just, you know, logic. Yeah, that's like how fighting games work, you know? So Uryu's like, Naha, time for my Phoenix Wright moment. <laughs> and he explains, the Sealy Schneider is not made to cut stuff. It fucks with the bonds between spirit particles of what it buzzes against. And because he's a Quincy, he can just absorb the free-flowing reishi that comes out of it so he just starts absorbing power from shirushi's tailblade from like where he's standing <laughs> which is it's sick it it's so bleach it's so uryu and it is incredibly fucking dope uh she realizes she's pretty much in trouble so she attacks him and then he drops the second mistake that she made quincy's don't use swords this thing's a chainsaw arrow. <laughs> and then he shoots her, he loses the arrow, and it shoots her right through the chest, and he, like, gives her just the sickest one-liner response. Indeed, one's reach was the winning factor. <laughs> Listen, you've tried to mess with the world's best zoner, you're gonna get fucking zoned. That's just how it's gonna go down. After he confirms that she's downed and he, and doing, like, some butterfly knife tricks to put away the arrow, <laughs> that that is what he's doing, right? Like, he, yes, 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 it is. Oh, <laughs> uh, he's like, oh, well, Peche asks him, like, hey, aren't you gonna, like, kill her? And he's like, well, it's the victor's decision to decide who lives and dies, and I don't feel like killing her, so. Besides... He broke her soul chain, so now she doesn't have any powers. Which presumably means she's going to immediately die a gruesome death as soon as she meets another hollow, because they're in fucking Wekomundo. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Okay, I I understand why Uryu doesn't kill her, but also I feel like this is a worse fate. <laughs> yeah, like this... If you thought about it for two minutes, Uryu, I'm pretty sure this is magnitudes more cruel. Yeah, it, it's like, it's one of those moments that feels like it's written, like Kubo's written this, and he's like, ah, yes, Uryu's not gonna kill her because he's the good guy, and he doesn't need to just kill her. Also, she's a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking bleach. But at least it's not a gruesome death that she has to wait long for, because as soon as Uryu leaves, the executioners that showed up to Dordoni also show up here. They're just like, hey, we heard your episode's over, uh, get ready to die. <laughs> yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Chad is getting pounded into the pavement by Arankar number 107, Gantenbein Mosqueda. 
a large man with a larger afro. And honestly, it's it's kind of really fucked up that they give this guy, like, they give him the exaggerated lips that you normally see on um, on black people in anime. Uh, mm-hmm. Bleach also gives these lips to, uh, what's his face, the vice captain from uh, the second division. Ah, fuck. Uh, Omida? Yes. Yeah. So he's got, like, those lips, but also they give him, like, just a giant orange afro. And I'm like, is this design supposed to be a black man with an afro? And then Bleach was just, like, the editors were like, no, you can't make him black. That would be weird. I, I feel like... I feel like Kubo was trying to design a black character and then halfway through decided that he wasn't a black character and just kept all the racial caricature features. Um, because it is it is very bizarre because he everything about his design screams, I was designed to be a racist caricature. And yet... Yeah, like this afro is a, it's a goofy as fuck afro. It's not a like this is a cool hairstyle that I saw. Yeah, it's clearly meant to be, like, this is a very goofy design. And it's not good, like, to be clear. It's very not good. It's just very strange that they got to, like, this halfway point and then, like... I To be clear, I'm not complaining that they did not make this character black. That is not what either of us is saying, I'm pretty sure. It's just weird that they went for the racist caricature design and then didn't follow through on it. So it just ends up in this weird middle ground where it's like, it, it, it draws even more attention to the fact that it is a racist design, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. It, it's it's incredibly bad. I don't like it at all. It, it's it's dumb and bad. Night. <sighs> Bleach. Can you just have cool like characters? You know that are people of color and not make them like racist designs, please. Like I I mean I guess we have Yoruichi, but even then she's like sexualized, and that's also a problem. Pretty much it. Yeah. Don't need really to eternalize on the. We don't need to go further on the matter. I think. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So during the fight, uh. Chad is, like, trying to fight back, but Ganten Bind is like, bro, you can't even do flash steps. How the fuck do you want to fight me? <laughs> you want to punch me? You can't even reach me. Uh, so they just keep going back and forth. Ganten Bind is kind of acting a bit like uh, Kyoraku, because he keeps saying, like, hey, if you want to leave, like, I'll let you leave. But if you keep doing this, you're going to fucking die. Uh, but eventually, Chad does manage to land just a backhand on the on uh, the iron car's face which just deforms it in a super slow-mo motion with a real satisfying crunch this is true it is very satisfying uh this convinces gantenbein to go at him at full strength he goes just full fist of the north stars counting his punches going one two one hundred and just a huge flurry of blows that slams our wharf into the ground the Arncar tells him to get up and fight, and while he doesn't move, uh, he doesn't move at first, but when the guy moves in for the killing blow, Chad wakes up at the last minute, explaining, he's, it's not that he's not, like, giving his all, it's just he's been feeling off since they arrived in Hueco Mundo. But now he's got a handle on it, his right arm's new power, its real form, Brazo Derecha del Gigante. 
or right arm of the giant. Basically, instead of just his arm being holified, it's got, like, a large shield on it. You know, he's found his resolve, you know, like Ichigo did back in the Renji fight. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. He's found his resolve, and suddenly he's he's fucking good. He's fine. I don't know, like, I, I... I feel incredibly weird that these fights cut in in the middle of the Rukia fight we got, like, last week. Because uh, they don't, though. They're not supposed to. I know, because, like, you mentioned that in the manga, like, a couple weeks back, like, when we recorded last episode, and, like, I found it weird then, but I find it even weirder now, because it just, like... It, it's really bizarre to me that it's like, here's this cool moment with Rukia and her former vice captain, and then here are these two fights that are like, I, I guess I can't really call the Uryu fight nothing because there are like some cool moments, but it feels it feels like filler fights, you know? It feels like padding, and it, it's very blatant. Yeah, it's like this. This feels like a bound arc fight. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Uh, like these don't feel like real characters. It feels like they're just fighting to fight because this is a shonen manga slash anime. And it it's not, like, unwatchable or anything. It's just, like, kind of bland. Yeah, like, it is... Like, it's not bad, and it's... Which, to it's very just, like, mediocre, which honestly... Is kind of more of a problem. Yeah. Because if it was bad, bad, then we could complain, we could make more jokes, uh, we could, you know, we could watch it. Instead, it's like, okay, so it's, I guess it's doing this, and that is kind of, like, the parts of it that aren't interesting are just kind of bland. And it's kind of like, you're watching it, and you're like, okay, how far into it? I checked how far I was into the episode, like, eight different times, because mm. it was like, how much longer do I have to keep taking notes for this episode? it's like i don't know i i feel like if they were going to go this route like i i feel like what would have worked better in the anime personally and not to be like oh i'm gonna rewrite bleach because like i'm not saying get rid of these fights entirely because i i don't i i feel like they're here for a reason quote unquote and that that reason is most likely kubo wanted to see these fuckers fight but I, I feel like it almost would have worked better if it were, like, cuts interspersed throughout the Rukia episode. Kind of like what we were getting at first, with them being in, like, the, the recap bits. Mm-hmm. But it rather than it being, like, just in the recap bits, like, during, like, a dramatic moment in the Rukia fight, not necessarily taking away from it, like, letting the dramatic moment play out, and then at more of a cliffhanger moment cutting to one of these fights for a couple minutes and then cutting back to the Rukia fight. Like, I feel like with some reworks and, like, a little bit of, like, a little little changes to the writing here and there, I feel like it could have worked a lot better and at least made these feel, like, a bit more substantial, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That That's just my two cents, though. Yeah. I, like, I could see it. I could also see them being, like that would be too confusing like because the some of the the, each of the fights have or well two of the three fights have like little details to them Mm. so it would be be harder to like get back into them um and also i can see them because i could see them wanting to put the rikia fight earlier because otherwise it's dordoni and then these two which works when you think of it like as an escalation but also 
maybe you lose more viewers in the season that way. Yeah, I feel like the order of fights in general is a little, like, weird. Like, even in the manga. Like, I feel... I feel like if you're going to have the main character fight, you know, Ichigo, I, I feel almost as if these two fights should have happened first. Um, just because, like, what you mentioned, like, with Escalation. I feel like these two fights should have happened first. Then we should have had Rukia fighting and Ichigo fighting. I, I feel like that would have been... Uh, it would have felt a little more consistent in terms of, like, okay, we've gotten these out of the way. But now we're doing like the big, the big fights that are like more important, more, there's more meat to them. I don't know. Mm -hmm. That, that's, that feels better to me. Anyways, let's go to the post credits bit. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Uh, Gin just recaps how resurrections work. Shiruchi says like, oh yeah, I look hot in mine, don't I? He mentions, but since you're flying around, won't people see like under your skirt, you know, when you're move around the sky Ooh. it says don't worry under the skirt is armor too which honestly this is the kind of shit that i would have liked her to be around more for because then it's like you know you you do the pant the like someone wants to watch her panties gag you do it a single time and then she says i thought of you fucking perverts you can't see down there and then it's ended no one no one has to bring it up ever again I, I agree with you. I I think a lot of the problem here is that even this is treated as a joke because, you know, it is in a post-credits bit. Post-credits bit. And yeah. it, well, also, Peche comes out and, you know, calls her cruel and unfeeling or whatever. Yeah. It, it, it's just like, I agree. I think what you said, like having it in the episode or something... Like, if they were going to go for the per pervert bit anyway, like, they should have had this in the episode and just dropped the pervert bit. I, I think that would have made her more threatening as villain. I feel like it would have made her feel like Bleach doesn't hate women for a split second. Well, I guess we can't have that. Yeah, we can't have that. Kubo, it's on site. It's on site, Kubo. As far as the manga version, it's just, like, just dialogue differences between the translations uh, the executioners in the anime, they say, you know, hey, Shiruchi, like, stay quiet or don't make a noise or whatever. In the manga, he's drawing his sword and he says, don't struggle. Okay. It's like, oh, okay. He's, like, he's killing her now. <laughs> it's not like, because in the, in the anime, I th there was, like, a vague, like, is he taking her back to be interrogated or, like, what's happening here? But no, in the manga, it's very clear, like, okay, no, he's just, like, executing her. And the other bit is, there's a part in the anime where Chad, like, falls on the ground and Gantenbein is like, hey, like, get up, fight me, we'll do, we'll do, like, an honest fight under God or whatever. In the manga, it's very, very clear that he, that the way that he's phrasing it is, he says, you're strong, but you shouldn't hide your abilities like that, let's fight each other honestly. And then Chad says... I wasn't trying to hide, it's just, like, I haven't gotten, like, a grip on my powers. But basically, just the entire conversation flows way better in the manga. Like, it, it feels more like, oh, okay, he he's an honorable dude who thinks Chad is hiding something. That's why their conversation goes this way. Yeah, no, I agree, that does flow better. It's, hmm. In the anime, it's just kind of a mess, because you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Did I miss the part? What? It's weird. 
It's just a weird flow. It really is. I'm I'm not really hopeful for this fight. I know we're getting more into this fight like next week, but I'm I'm hoping after we get over like with this and get back to the Rukia stuff, I'm really hoping that we get a bit more substance cuz like the season's not really impressing me so far aside from the Rukia stuff. And I'm not yeah. I'm not really convinced like fully that the Rukia stuff isn't gonna like flop next time we see her, you know? Well, you know, we're only three weeks in. It's got time still. Yeah, no, that, that that's fair. Like, that's not for me to be negative on Bleach. Like, I, I'm still interested. I wanna see where it goes. I, I'm there's stuff that has been here that I didn't remember that I'm way hotter on than I expected to be. But like mm-hmm. I don't know. The these these two fights just mm. They're, they're testing me. Yeah, let's let's just hope it's not, you know, indicative of the next half. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Absolutely agreed. Like, there's stuff I'm really excited to get to, frankly. That being said, though, it's about time to end the show, I think. All right. Well, in an unprecedented turn of events, the second episode of this the podcast episode has been hosted by me, Bunny. So that's that's something. But you can find the show on Twitter at BleachCast. You can find me on Twitter at Lavender underscore Pause. And you can find me on Twitter at SSBSLJ. Have a great week. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, We'll hopefully not be taking too many more breaks. I know I say that all the time, but like, I'm I'm begging my own mental health to let me just like do the thing. Uh, And I'm also begging Combo Breaker to not happen with the tournament I'm interested in directly when I'm doing podcasts. Uh, but yes, ha- hope you have a great week. Stay cool, chads. I can spit out my juices forever. Do you should never have underestimated me. No, no, stop it. I don't like this. <laughs> Don't
小さな優しさがいつも嬉しい